All right, guys, uh, if you can go ahead and if you need a Bible, you can raise your hand um, and we'll grab, give you Bibles, guys. We are uh, right in the midst of our, our series, Ecclesiology, which uh, is a big word for just basically the study of the church. Uh, ecclesia and ology, so you have church and the study of is, um, where, is what we're talking about. We've, um, we've gone through, we began by just giving an overview of like where did Ecclesia come from. Uh, we, we began to make some conclusions, uh, so many conclusions, but one in particular is that there is great continuity and discontinuity uh, before Christ, but not everything points to Christ, both uh, Old Testament, New Testament, both uh, the fall and what happened between the fall and restoration in Christ and what's happening between restoration and new creation, uh, which is where we live in now. It all beelines to Jesus. So we talked about that. Uh, uh, then we talked about the mission of the church. Uh, Basically, what, what are we to be about as the people of God, right? There's so much that we can talk about, uh, but, and there's so many things that we can do as people, but what are we supposed to do? Because I want to propose that there are some things that are more important than others, and all good things aren't equally important. So uh, we all made the, uh, the conclusion based on Scripture uh, that we are here, and the mantle we're given as we're newly created creatures in Christ uh, is to be making disciples. And then we, taught, parsed, we parsed out what that looks like. And so everything that we do in our local body, uh, because of what Christ has done for us, because the reality of him creating all things out of abundance of love, we have the audacity to sin, then Christ could have destroyed it, did not. Instead, uh, he comes, right, lives, lives a perfect life, is a perfect sacrifice, is God and man, rises from the dead. Then he then recreates those who place their faith in Christ, makes us new creation, gives us a mantle to now make others like us, basically. And that's what we are all here uh, doing right now. As we have been bought by God's blood, as we have been saved by grace, as we've been saved from sin, death, evil, and Satan, now God says, as you are this new creation, I'm sending you to have a posture of missionality uh, to tell the world about me and about what, how good I am and what I can do in them if they would give their life to Jesus. And so we talked about the mission of the church, make disciples. And then we talked about the nature of the church. Uh, basically, what are uh, certain things that when you see it, you'll go, okay, so that's the church. Uh, there should be certain remnants. Just like I said, there are certain, uh, certain traits that you see when you identify a cat from a dolphin, right? In the same way, uh, there are traits that you and I should see as a local people of God where we go, that's what the church should be about. And so we talked about those traits. So we encourage you uh, to look at the nature of the church um, online. Uh, and now uh, we're talking about church government. Our heart behind this whole series, and we, we did this in the first week, uh, I asked a question. I said, so how many of us have had a series on, on ecclesiology, on, hey, what is the church? And going through uh, an in-depth understanding of what does it mean to be the church if we are the church. And literally no one raised their hand. And that's indicative of our culture, uh, that we are, we are doing church and we've never paused to ask what is the church. Why, why, why do we come here? And, and just like, I know for me, uh, I, I did church for years and went to church and didn't really know theologically why I was doing it. Uh, and so this is our attempt. My heart, my heart behind this, uh, as, as your leadership, as we have uh, decided to do this series, is that you will be conversant, and most importantly, you will be convicted. You will build some convictions, and you will have some understanding of why you're doing what you're doing, why you're here, why do we gather, and you should be able to part, even begin to discuss that now and have an intelligent discussion from talking about the mission of the church, from talking about where the church came from. And so I, I say that because 
church government is going to just add to that. Like, why? Like, why do we have church government? What does that mean? What is that about? Um, and our heart is that as we continue on through this series, as we talk about church membership, as we talk about the sacraments and why those are important, right, as we talk about prayer and kingdom living, all those things, we hope that we would leave and just feel like, man, now by God's grace, I know clearly why we gather and why we're here and why we do what we do. All right, so that's our heart behind it, okay? So continue to be inviters, but most importantly, be attentive as we jump into a lot of information. Uh, let me pray for us, and then we'll uh, jump right in. Before I pray, just want to encourage you again. We always like to, um, if you have questions, please feel free to ask those to encourage the people of God. If it's something specific that you can, that means you can parse out, we can do that after service. But if it's something that can really help the covenant community, we want to ask you to please um, bring that question up because it'll, it'll edify the body. And uh, we're really about uh, God being worshipped, the people of God growing. So um, please feel free to do that. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, thank you for another opportunity to uh, gather with your saints and to make much of you. And we thank you so much uh, for giving us purpose in life uh, and then for giving us purpose in new life. Uh, Thank you for uh, the mantle um, you've given us to brag about you, to make you known because you're good. And we pray, Jesus, that you would uh, give us the grace and fill us with your Holy Spirit to be able to do that, to please you, Lord. Uh, that even as we open up the word, as we think about church government, Lord, that we would leave uh, feeling a little more equipped on, on what does it mean for us, one of the little leaves on, on the force of your glory. Uh, we pray that you would help us um, just magnify you, pay, bring attention to you, and to honor you. Uh, by your grace, would you fill my words? Would you allow me not to speak empty words of Eric, uh, but would you give me the, uh, just the power of the spirit to be a shepherd, uh, to care for uh, your people? and to honor you. Holy Spirit, open up your word to us. Um, bring glory to Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so when, you know, you think of our culture, uh, you, church government, this doesn't, doesn't fit well. <laughs> you think about our culture, right? I mean, we're in a culture, uh, it's not an ex- exciting topic, but we're in a culture where, where we don't want to be, uh, we don't want to be governed Right, we. I mean, this is you know uh, the, the the big term right now. Uh, the younger generation, you're the millennialists, right? The new millennials, and and your your rap sheet. Sad to say, this is reality. We have a rap sheet as gener- generation uh, X, but your rap sheet is that you uh, you you abhor um, roots. You want to go out and make and make sure you can give. You can go out and, and make your name, and you can and you and you don't want to be like committed to anything. You want to make sure that you can. Uh, be the most popular and you can live life to the full and to have someone around you and putting parameters around you, just, that's just like, it's just legalistic and it's bad and I need to get out and I need to be somebody. That's, that's, that's the posture uh, that, uh, that basically people are saying about the new millennial culture, right? And so it doesn't fit well when you talk about church government, okay? So being a Christian, a biblical Christian, um, as a young person uh, is really hard in this area, because uh, the tendency in con- contemporary America uh, is, is the growth of, of independency and not interdependency, right? The church is about interdependence where, where you and I realize we need each other and we're committed to each other. And the mindset of the culture is that we don't need anybody or we need people to exhaust, right? I need you for a purpose. And then when I get that purpose, I go on to the next thing. And that's why we can move to other new places and we can buy this house for one moment and live there and then we can go to this house and go to this place because to, to, to build roots and to be, have longevity is kind of weird, right? 
You're not climbing up the ladder. Uh, so membership in a church. So you think about that. Now think about that from the perspective of culture, fam. All right, Mac? And now think about <laughs> asking people to be a member of a church. Right? Church membership seems kind of weird uh, in this day and age. Um, to, to have obligations upon you, to ask people to, to hold you accountable for a certain lifestyle, that's counter the culture. But it's absolutely biblical. Family and longevity and stability, right, and interdependence is part and parcel of what does it mean to be the people of God. So now we, what we do is we, we, we do our own thing and we, we can disagree and, and we shouldn't be held accountable if our disagreements can bring havoc or do anything that disrupts community because we're just having conversations. I think it's kind of fair to say that what people want actually, and, and it's funny, this is even encouraged in, in culture, anarchy. Basically, anarchy is kind of encouraged, you know, to have no law, right? But the Bible calls that lawlessness. The Bible doesn't, doesn't think that's a good thing. It thinks it's a bad thing. Okay, guys? So, so I'm trying to set the stage of, like, we're, we're, we're swimming upstream here, okay? And for some of you, this is going to feel kind of weird because maybe we bought into some of the cultural milieu, all right? And if we bought into it, well, I'm my own person. You can't tell me what to do and all this stuff. This is going to feel kind of weird because the Bible speaks very against what's celebrated right now today in our society as normal. Okay, guys? I just want to get us ready uh, for what the scriptures say. So here's what we're trying to do. I want to start off by saying here, here's our posture at Mac. Um, here's what we want to be about um, as we think about church governance. So I want to say that although the culture thinks like that, God actually has instituted a civil government, right? And we all affirm that. And if you don't, what happens when you don't affirm that God has instituted a civil government? We call those people prisoners, right? They go to jail, right? right? When you go, no, I see your hubba bubba, but I don't want to buy it. I want to take it. And you're in a gas station, you go to jail, right? You commit crimes where the, where the community has said, that's foul. And you say, well, I don't care. I'd like to do foul things. We put you in jail, right? We all agree with that. And we're all glad, right? Right? We're all glad that there's a civil law. When I was walking up and down that freeway and it started getting dark, you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, okay. And this is one of the cool times where, to be honest, I was really glad to be black because guess what? I go to the gas station and a cop pulls up and he's pulling up because there's a brother and Taylor walking around. I'm excited though because now he's a cop and I'm like, I'm safe because of the cop here. So I fooled you, bruh. You think you're here to save them, you're here to bless me. But that's another discussion. Sorry. I was like, can you just keep riding around every couple, you know, couple minutes making sure everybody cool? Wink, wink. You know what I'm saying? I've been watching too much Law and Order, y'all, but I was nervous. So, well, just like G- so, so Jesus institutes a civil government. Now, how much more, if he institutes a civil government, is he going to institute an ecclesiastical government? Okay? You think he's going to want the world to be ruled a certain way, a bunch of unbelievers, but all my church people, y'all just do what y'all want to do, just, you know, be filled with the Spirit. No. 
No, if he is going to institute a civil government for pagans, for his enemies, you might as well believe he's going to say, hey, here's how my people can retell my story. So it's extremely important, church government, guys. So here's what we're trying to do. Um, in max church governance, so I want to talk about what, we're tr- what our goals are, and then I want to basically parse out some of the history of government, okay? And then I want to parse out where we are in reference to history, okay? All right. So we're trying to conform to the structure and procedures um, and the spirit of church governance as closely as possible to biblical guidelines. That's our heart, all right? And, and you're going to see throughout this talk that there's areas where we're moving toward it, uh, but we're not, a clear, we're not the clearest biblical expression that I see in the New Testament church. And so as, as one of your elders, uh, our elder team, and we are all like moving toward that end, okay? Just wanted you to know that. So there's a framework that I want to propose is not described in the Bible, but it's prescribed, okay? The difference is you can just see something and say, you don't have to do it. Or Jesus is saying, this is how I want you to do it. We propose, he's saying, I kind of want it to look like this. Okay. Um, <clears throat> there'll be some scriptures up, uh, some, some scripture addresses, just for the sake of time. Okay, so you can get those online, but also you can write them down here. Um, we're also, uh, we also believe in the liberating of the laity. Okay, so what we don't believe is that basically the paid staff are supposed to do the work of the body. Okay, we as your paid staff, or partially paid by you guys, we are here to actually equip you to do the work of the ministry. But you are to do the work of the ministry. Now, obviously, we have a robust understanding about ecclesia, right, ecclesia, so we, as even your church staff, do everything that you do. So I will say it again, we are to do the work of the ministry. Okay? Um, we also are moving toward and desire to have a governance structure uh, that is lean and efficient. Okay, uh, you can fall into the prey of wanting to have everybody be a part of leadership in some way, and have you know, and have everybody. The, the goal isn't to have everybody in this room go to the leadership meeting in another room, right? But it really is to have to be as lean as possible to make sure that we're being about God's business. Okay, so we don't we're not trying to have everybody hold office. Um, that's not our that's not our goal. Um, going without saying, hopefully. Christ is the head of the church. We'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, and then we believe uh, that we are the royal priesthood, and it lives, he continues to live that priesthoodness through the people of God. All right, that you and I are his priests. If you are a believer and you love Jesus, that you are his priest, and you get to retell the priesthood story uh, in a redemptive fashion with Christ being our head. Which is very, I mean, that, that should humble us, actually. Finally, uh, God has uh, clearly ordained the existence of officers of the church. That at the end of the day, there are, God has ordained for not us all, right, to be just leaders, but that he's ordained for there to be some people among us who are leading you, which means that there's an ordination of that there should be submission. So th- those are just... Um, just what we're trying to be about as we continue to move toward uh, as much as we can in MacAva, uh, the most biblical picture of, of church governing. Okay, guys? Now, how does Jesus, uh, so 
he's our supreme authority. How does he govern sort of the day-to-day details of the body, right? I want to say there's three kind of major, and again, I got to get kind of academic here, but just to give us a snapshot, there's three kind of major families of church governance in history, okay? These are major ones. Uh, you have your Episcopalianism, your Congregationalism, right, and your Presbyterianism, all right? I'm going to unpack that briefly. And again, don't take this as just information. This is important for you to understand your lineage, your lineage all right, so you can understand, like, why we do what we do. All right, if you're from an Episcopal camp, and you guys probably heard of some of this stuff here and there, if you're from an Episcopal camp, um, when you can use the word, you know, elders, um, but, but basically the Episcopal, the Episcopal churches, they are a church that's ruled by monarch, monarchical bishops, okay? Um, so you have basically uh, uh, one major person who governs other leaders, uh, but, the head, but there is uh, one head, Okay? Uh, we you see this in uh, in Catholicism, okay, and that and 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 the rule of the head actually extends to all of the local congregations, okay. And so, as far as church governance, uh, there is not much of a local rule, as it were, okay. Uh, you have congregationalism. Uh, which, which is, uh, well, I mean, just from my, my experience, it's, it's really big in actually East Coast more. I know when I was in seminary, it was a lot of congregational churches. Uh, and people that, let's be clear, people that love Jesus and walk deeply with the Lord are in all three families, okay? Um, this one is a rule by congregation. Now, this one's interesting because uh, everyone's on the same level playing field, okay? And so everyone has the same voice. And... Um, and so the authority actually rests at the bottom, right? So everyone, everyone in here would have a voice. And, and ruling boards are basically just an administrative convenience, you know, as it were. Um, and their decisions, you have a ruling board, and they say the board says, hey, here's what we're going to do. That the, the congregation say, no, we're not going to do that. So they can actually overrule the ruling board, right? Um, so it's kind of comparable to, I don't know, I mean, you have your, your, your prime minister and you have your, 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 your monarchical king or queen or whatever, and there's really someone else calling the shots kind of deal, but there's a nice lady waving. I mean, it's kind of like that deal. Um, and then you have all uh, your uh, Presbyterianism, guys. And this one in here um, is a rule uh, of the church by, by multiple elected elders, all right? Uh, so it's not, it's not dictated by one person. And it's not uh, filtered out through the rule of everybody, but basically there's uh, elders who are instituted along with, we'll talk about in a moment, of deacons, and they uh, exercise rule over the local body. Now, these elders are usually chosen by the people, and this is really key. To, they're chosen by the body, just like uh, the el- your elders were chosen by you. The elders that you have currently were chosen by you. Um, and uh, these are men to whom you vow submission to, right? You choose them, and in choosing them, you're saying, I, I'm willing to submit to you. That's why, that's why the, the body chooses them. Okay, guys? Now, here's where I think we, can fall, we fall short, and we're still in this process. I mean, when, I, when we planted the local body here, we planted non-denominationally. 
but then what happens is in this, in this uh, rule, uh, the governing board of elders are confirmed by an external board of, of churches or denomination or presbytery. Okay? Uh, the goal of that, to have a general assembly, to have a general assembly outside of the local body, is that the local body can have autonomy and be doing what the Holy Spirit wants them to do there, while at the same time, if the leadership wows out, there is an extra body that can come alongside and provide discipline. It's an issue of checks and balances. Okay? Um, so we, uh, so basically, in a nutshell, we, in a nutshell, our local body, we started out, we always wanted to have people hold us accountable. So I had a, a, a board of advisors. But at the end of the day, um, apart from, I mean, me, Eric, and, and Leon, it was probably more of an Episcopal rule where we sought the Lord. We, very, we didn't many times talk to our board of advisors. Uh, we were our own board of advisors, as it were. Um, I don't think we abused it, but I'm just telling you how it was. Um, we kind of did what the Lord wanted us to do. And that's why, you know, we, we had churches buying houses and all kind of stuff. And, and our books was all crazy. And, you know, it took us a couple of years to get our budget right because we were doing really good things with Jesus, but half of it was illegal by God's grace. And then we had to make it legal. And, you know, because we didn't know. We just loved Jesus. And we saw people needed homes and people needed houses fixed up. I'm just t- keeping it real, right? Um, and, um, and now we, uh, I think we're super legit. Here's what we're about now, though. Uh, we are, we would be under the Presbyterian camp, all right? We would say that that camp um, clearly reflects uh, what seems to be a biblical picture where we're walking to in a moment. So the Bible teaches the leadership, we would say the Bible teaches the leadership of a plurality of elders um, along with a group of deacons who serve a church, okay? Now, I say all this because, you know, we, we got, you have different um, traditions. We talked about uh, the Episcopal rule of a pope in our community, the pastor's the big dog, right? And, and, you know, in a city, the pastor's the big dog, and he gets the money, he gets all whatever he wants. Usually you got, you know, pastors bringing you drinks. I mean, people bringing you drinks up, all kind of stuff, like you get uh, pampered. And, and what the pastor says goes, okay? We want to propose that without, without checks and balances, that is extremely dangerous, and that's not the biblical model, plainly, all right? I mean... I, 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 I think I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm walking with the Lord, but man, even with my good times in the scriptures, if I don't have men and women around me who are encouraging me and correcting me, I can take us into some really dark places. And so I'll be, be extremely weary of any, of any place where the head honcho is just calling the shots. All right? First, it, it speaks against total depravity, right? And it's not even prescribed in the scriptures. Okay, so theologically, uh, mandate-wise, and practically, it's just a mess. But we would say uh, we followed a sense of plurality of rule, right? That you would have the sense of, of, uh, of a group of people coming together to lead. So the word, uh, and this is an interesting topic here, because usually when you put up a word, you can define it. But um, you have to, this one's interesting because elder doesn't get really defined. Even when you try to define it in a, a dictionary, it talks from a biblical standpoint because it's not like, it's not, or like old people, but that's not necessarily the term that what it means, right? And so I want to do it a different way. Um, the word elder in the scriptures, uh, I want to unpack our structure of like, how do we get to being a church that's under the Presbyterian rule? Um, uh, the word presbyteros, right, has always been in translated elder, okay? Now, 
I say always elder because even in the Old Testament, uh, you know, what happened was the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, but then what happened was uh, the, the, the known world was Hellenized, and then the book, the Hebrew book, was actually written in Greek, which is called the Septuagint. Uh, the Septuagint, the same word, which I'm, I'm better at Greek than Hebrew, so I'm sticking with the Greek. Uh, the, the Septuagint, actually the same word that they use, they use presbyteros, which is cool, all throughout the Old Testament, which lets us know that this whole elder concept isn't something that was birthed at the resurrection, but actually it's happened all the way since the time of Moses. This concept of always having an elder rule, a group of people ruling, has always been the case of the covenant community. And so if you look, you, um, you can see this in 2 Samuel 5.3. Um, it says, uh, So all the elders of Israel came to the uh, king at Hebron, and King David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David king over Israel. Right? In that, con- in that context there, you got these leaders who are confirming that he is their king. Right? They put their stamp of approval on the most important decision in, in Israel, <laughs> who, who would lead, Right? So the apostles did not, I say that to say, I'm trying to build a case. Well, the apostles did not uh, usher in something radically new. Uh, they built upon a foundation that was previously established in antiquity. All right, guys? Um, another thing I want you to get about the elder concept is, uh, is pattern after Christ. All right? Uh, in 1 Peter 2, 25, it says, uh, For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls, right? I I say that because those are the same terms that is used uh, for an elder. So bishop, overseer, right, leader. And so basically it's it's, it's a very important um, uh, uh, place, position, because it's basically a typology of Jesus. Very serious. The word, like, basically he says, you know, return to the shepherd, uh, and episcopon, which is the same word, of your souls, overseer, the same word, that whole sense of, 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 of elder rule. And um, just to confirm one more thing, in the New Testament, uh, the elders serve in the role of leadership, just to confirm that why it seems to me to be uh, closest to the biblical concept that we're trying to implement is that the elders serve throughout Scripture uh, in church leadership, right? You see in James where uh, they're praying for individuals and it says in the Scriptures, anyone among you uh, sick, let him call for the elders of the church, let him pray over him, anointing him, um, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And so we just see that very clearly these elders, they exercise, rule, uh, they, they were ministering with the apostles. We see them um, anoint, you know, uh, validating a kingship rule. Uh, there seems to be countless evidence. I don't think this is super argued in antiquity. Um, the elder role is always talked about in plural, so that's key, which I want to say plurality of elders is huge. It's only talked about once, I believe, in the whole New Testament um, as a single, and a singular, and I think it's because he's actually calling an elder out. So it's only one time. Uh, so and I think I already said, elders join an apostle's leadership in Acts 15. Um, that's number six. And this concept, you, you, in our community, in our, in our hood, uh, you, you know, when you really have made it, you become a bishop, right? Uh, and so, which for years, I never understood. Like, so when do you get to be called bishop? Am I the only thought like that? I didn't get it. Uh, but here's the funny thing about the term bishop. Is the term bishop and overseer, is, is, is I would propose in the scriptures exactly the same thing as elder. 
Okay? So there should always be, if you're going to be called a bishop, cool, but there should be a plurality of you bishops, and you should all be on the same page, and the bishop should not have more or less power than a pastor. Let me prove that to you. So this is very important because I want you to, I want you to have a keen eye, not a judgmental eye, but a, but a discerning eye as you see church polity and as you experience church polity in your local church, right? Um, so notice this. Let me, let me prove what I'm saying there. In Acts 11.30, uh, he uses the word, you know, overseer bishop. It says, um, and they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. Uh, that word is, inter- is, is interpreted in different ways in different uh, translations. Uh, 1 Timothy uh, 5, 7 says, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. Uh, so, uh, and then I'm give you a couple other addresses. First Peter chapter 2, verse 25, and chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. Uh, the qualifications of bishops, when he talks about the qualifications of bishops and, uh, I'm sorry, qualifications of bishops and deacons, uh, he does not talk about the qualifications of elders because assu- I'm, I want to propose to you that actually he's assuming he's talking about the elders in that context, just so when, you, when you go there on your own. All right. So as we unpacking the elder structure, I know this is a lot, but I want to, I want, I'm trying to build conviction. Okay, so elders is right. So we need to have plurality of elders. Okay, um, each congregation has plurality of elders. Um, they have these are some of the things that when we think about the structure of what they're doing, uh, the elders have oversight over the local church. We'll see that in scripture uh, in Acts twenty verse twenty eight. So you have plurality of elders. I've already beat that that horse. Acts 20, verse 28, it says, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, again, um, to care for the, the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. So we see the elders uh, being called to be sort of like the overseers of the local church. Right? So what is the role of elders? What are they supposed to do? Well, I'm just going to, for the sake of time, I'm not going to go through the, the scriptures, but there's addresses there for you guys. So elders, so now I'm saying, so we are a presbytery, right? We have a plurality of elders. The elders are, are not, my, not my boss, but we hold each other accountable, okay? So I guess they are in, in a nutshell because I don't have more power than them, but they don't have more power than me. We all have equal power so that we can, with checks and balances, lead you well. You see that? So here's what, here's what elders do. Elders judge among the brothers, right? Um, <clears throat> we, we rebuke sin. Um, we have, the Lord has given us, I want to propose, he's given us all the keys to the kingdom, but specifically because the elders are the spokespersons for the, the local community. When I say keys to the kingdom, Matthew 16, Jesus says, I've given you the keys to the kingdom and you can bind and loose, right? And what he's saying there basically is that you have the power in Christ now not to judge people, not to be judgmental, uh, but to be discerning and to be uh, a, a healthy Matthew 7 judge, right? Where a person is wilding out, cheating on his wife. You guys bring him and say, hey, man, you cheated on your wife. He says, you know, forget you. Don't, who you, you. You don't know me. Why are you talking to me about cheating on my wife and all this stuff, right? You can say, well, wow, bro. Um, I'm not Jesus. I don't, I don't own heaven, but I want to propose to you, if you can continue to wallow in sin and not even care about the things of God, it doesn't seem to me that you might be a believer, Keys of the kingdom, right? That we as a body, that, right, that makes you squirm in your seat. That's judgmental. No, I want to propose it's biblical. 
is that God is like, we need to be very clear about what does it mean to walk with the Lord, right? You're not saying the guy is saved by works. You're saying, man, you are not showing any evidence that you're like your Savior. Okay? So that's the, that's the whole concept of keys of the kingdom. I mean, we're not, I don't want to go down a rabbit trail. That's the concept. Well, I want to say your elders have been given those keys. Obviously, if you have those keys, he's given us those keys for the local church, okay? To say through a lot of, through long-suffering and forbearance, that as we go through discipline and we talk through all those things, that we are able to say, and I want to propose that whenever we excommunicate someone, you cannot do that without, well, I would say, without the congregation affirming. That's a whole other, I'm going to get to that toward the end. So it gets kind of messy. That's why I'm trying to slowly take us down this road, okay? Uh, so we have the keys to the kingdom. Let me just stop there before I get in trouble. And elders teach and equip the saints, okay? This is what we do. We teach and equip the saints, and we administer the sacraments, all right? Uh, which obviously is um, affirming um, faith in people and also um, re- retelling and rethinking and, and re just exalting the reality that Christ died and rose from us. And so uh, we usher that um, into the life of the saints through the graces of the sacraments. Um, the elders also exercise church discipline. And again, this will be online where you can get these documents, you can get this information. Okay? So that's what the elders do. All right. That was a lot. You guys have been really gracious, but hopefully we'll be wrestling through this. This is what, this is, because this is how we're going to do life. And so I just want to be really clear about how our, what our structure is and what we're doing and how I want to propose this. I, I want to say there's some areas where we're falling short, but we're trying to get close to the biblical picture. Um, so now you have deacons, okay? So you have the elders, but what are deacons? All right? We don't have deacons yet, partially, mostly because we just instituted an elder board, and now we want to make sure that as God grows up people, we would have deacons. Now, here's the interesting thing. Many of you guys have been deacons without even knowing it, and that's what's, what's cool about these roles. A person doesn't become an elder because I stamp elder on you. You're an elder before I make you an elder at some level. I make elders elders. That's what we do. People who are already serving, like, right, being a servant leader, people who are already administering to the, ministering to the people, caring for the people, leading well, humble, people who are already doing those things, what we do in our votes, we just validate it. You follow me? Right? The stamp doesn't make you an elder. You're an elder in character before you're an elder in position. In the same way, many of you are deacons in character. I would propose most of our church. You guys serve like crazy. You care like crazy. You, you, you serve this body to make sure that our work isn't um, overly strenuous as a local body. I praise God for y'all. Um, but here's what the deacons are, are called to do. You are called to assist when we start getting deacons, because we will, because we're going to keep moving toward this biblical picture. You're called to assist in the ministry responsibilities, right? You, to help to assist the elders in their responsibilities. Um, and deacons are separate from elders, and um, the word... Uh, Diakonos, uh, which means actually, and I, and I usually don't go to Greek because I don't want to be just throwing Greek around, but in this context, I have to because that's the only way you can even understand the word. Uh, the word literally means like um, um, to push up dirt, like to, in Hebrew culture, if you guys know, in Hebrew culture, a lot of the words have like these cool word pictures, okay? And this word picture is kind of like um, of a servant, you know, uh, wiping and cleaning, and so the dust is everywhere. So that's the picture you think of when you think of a, of a, of a deacon, a servant. Um, so real quick, I know a question's going to come up, so I thought I'd just bring it up. Can, we, can women be deacons? 
Um, I want to say that it seems in scriptures that there were women deacons. Okay? Um, so I would say yes. Uh, there's, there's some camps that say no, but there's, I think there's more at this stage that say yes and no. A lot of complementarians like us would say that there could be deaconesses. Um, and I give some scriptural validation in 1 Timothy 3 uh, where he's given out the roles. And also I try to show um, in that, uh, they, that the, the description of a deacon and what they want them to be about uh, does not exercise governing the body, right? Or it does not exercise authoritative teaching, but exercises service, uh, which we celebrate in our local body. Um, and also in Romans, Phoebe's a deacon, so I don't know how you get around that, but. So the question, you know, I'm like, unless Phoebe's a dude, I don't know. But um, uh, the, the, the question is, like, what's the origin uh, of deacons? I, I, I really think if it's, I think it's Acts 6, but I don't know for sure. But Acts 6, you remember Acts 6 where, where the, uh, the, the, the leaders are leading the church, and then the guy, he comes over and says, hey, man, you guys shouldn't be waiting on tables and stuff like this. We've got to appoint some people among you who can do these things so that you can be about the work of the ministry. It's Acts 6, verses 1 through 4. Check it out. Um, it seems to me to be a, a pivotal point uh, to usher in this role of having some service that can accompany us so that we can lead you well, right? All right, a lot of information. Y'all ready to keep going? Y'all doing all right? Okay, good. So now here's the thing. So the deacon's office uh, exists to uh, assist the leadership of the church by relieving the elders and distractions, right? So that's what the goal is, um, they also give attention to the ministry of mercy. So here's like kind of the roles. Uh, so, so the deacons give attention to the ministry of mercy. It's not that they're the only ones that do the ministry of mercy. Let's be clear. They give attention, right? So they're saying, hey, we need to make sure we're doing this. We need to make sure uh, we're being holistic in our approach, okay? Uh, they give, uh, I'm sorry, their responsibilities. Uh, I, I just try to give some practical responsibilities, guys. Uh, so, like, if you had a building, the, they, these guys would care for the building grounds and things of that sort, right? They would supply communion and baptismal needs. I'm just giving you practical examples. Um, uh, they would handle the greeting and welcoming ministries. Uh, they said that they would be, like, really ushering in and making sure that we are being a compassionate church, that we're developing well. And here's what's cool. I love how the Lord is because we didn't have these roles, but we've been doing these things. And you guys have been serving in these capacities for six years now. Or four years, we've been at um, a church doing service and stuff. All right, here's the one where it's going to, um, I'm talking myself out of a job here. So then you go to pastor. So you got your elders, all right, your deacons who assist. This is, a, this is the structure of your church. All right, then you have the pastors, myself and Leon, all right? Now, the funny thing in the scriptures is that pastors get absolutely no airplay. There's only one text in the whole Bible that says pastor, that talks about a pastor, Okay, so I don't know how, how, man, we must have did some really cool things to become like the head of the church with one, with one verse. So um, I don't know what's going on there, but, but no, I, no, here's what's happened. I think in history what happened was there is an assumption, and that's the thing about text, is that when they mention a word and they talk about it like they just know what it's, what it's about, that means it was very common. Okay, that meant that they didn't have to explain pastor because it was so common in their cultural context. That makes sense? Just like we talk about stuff and we don't give explanation. And someone can come from out of town and be like, what does this mean? What does this mean? You got to unpack it. Like, oh, you don't know what that means? Oh, this is what this means. Right. So, uh, so what historian, historians have done, so pa- pastor is mentioned in Ephesians 4 and, 
And historically, pastors um, were, t- were the teachers, okay? So it was, a, it was a position where they were the teachers of the local body and were one of the elders. And I already mentioned that they don't have, as, they don't have more authority than the elder, which I just want to keep harping on, um, but they are one of the elders. And the elders free them to actually usher in the vision of the church, which is basically what happens pragmatically here. Right, so basically the Lord, when we planted this church, has given us a vision, we apply the vision, we raise up pastors, the pastors understand our vision, now they say, Eric, um, Pastor Leon, you guys go ahead and make sure that vision happens, and then we come and say, hey, so what do you think about this part of the vision, and then we keep fine-tweaking the vision, and then we go out and usher in practically what we've discussed um, strategically, make sense? So we're basically the operational arms, as it would be, of the team. Now... What are you guys in the church government, the congregation? Okay? Uh, I want to say the congregation provides significant input in decisions, right? Unlike we either think the congregation does everything, right, or the congregation does nothing, right, and we just ruin, you just need to listen and, and, and be quiet. But it actually seems that that's not the New Testament picture. In the New Testament, you see the congregation provides uh, significant input in decisions, right? And that's why we have finance meetings, um, uh, leaders in the church are nominated by, this, by the congregation. When we have our next batch of, of elections for the elder, we will nominate uh, from, this, from you guys, okay? Excommunication. Excommunication cannot happen by the elders just deciding to excommunicate somebody. Not in, this, not in this body, not in our bylaws. In some churches, it can't. In this body... When we get to the point of wanting to excommunicate somebody, that needs to come to this body, and we need to vote as a body. Now, we would give the recommendation, but we are saying as a local body, that's, that we don't have, we're, we're, we're not exercising that power. Does that make sense? That's something that the community of faith decides as a whole. A lot of stuff. Any, any, any questions before I finish up? All right. So let me just go, let me just do a recap. Uh, biblical church government includes rule by elder, plurality of elders who are qualified. Um, what these guys do, we convene where there's disputes. We handle disciplinary actions, right? Doctrinal cases. Um, we handle administrative matters. Make dece- we make decisions. When we make decisions as an elder group, the assumption, because you've chosen us as your elders, is that they pass and they're based on Scripture and that you guys implement them, implement them as part of the mandate of our church. You see that? So you choose us as your leaders, and then we expect you to follow our leadership. So the things that we institute uh, should be binding as a local church. Does that make sense, guys? But at the same time, uh, the local church has autonomy, okay? So although we need to, I think this is where we need to get better, we need to have a picture of, I mean, and I'm even thinking about this, maybe down the road after we get our deacons, we even consider as a local body, do we join a denomination? We have to think through that. But I think it's healthy to have a body um, that's outside us so that if something wilds out and all your elders are in sin and we're all conspiring to do something crazy that you guys have a further voice to appeal to. That's just healthy. So we'll be looking at what that looks like, all right, as we move toward the most biblical picture. 
So, so what should happen is that when, you, when there's a dispute here and you guys can't figure it out, that should be presented to, uh, well, in our local body, what should happen with your MAC groups, right? You have an issue. You're working out in your discipleship relationship, your one-on-one, right? Then you have a discipler. You have disciplers in your chain that you can process things. Things are figured out. You have your MAC group. And then if things are figured out, you can actually enter into a discussion with your leadership, your elders, right, and your pastors. That makes sense, guys? Um, if, if disputes can't be appealed uh, or you feel like things aren't working out in this local body, you feel like things aren't working out with your elders, right, we want to make sure that you have, and I have this already, but I want to make it more formal. We have people, again, people that, that, that are dear friends of ours who are way more than willing to come and say, hey, I'm outside the body, right? We have churches that will say, hey, what's the issue? If you think all your elders are doing something that's in sin, let's talk through this, okay? We don't have a presbytery because we're not part of a denomination as of yet, but we do have people, uh, we have a collection of churches that deeply love us and that are committed to our well-being for Christ's glory, all right? So that's what you are um, a part of. That's, uh, we want to propose, although there's other models, uh, that this, we want to say this seems to be closest to uh, the biblical model that we've seen. Uh, this is why um, we are a church where we are plurality of elders. Uh, we want to usher in deacons. We want to make sure you understand your place in the body. And we want to make sure that in that, that we are all submitting to each other uh, by God's grace understanding that these people have been put here uh, by Jesus through you and that now we need to submit and enjoy each other, okay? That's how we do church in this local body. Um, that's, that's the way it's set up. That's the way it's structured uh, for your well-being, for the fact of you being equipped to be able to go out and minister uh, to this community and make Christ known, all right? Uh, process that in your local, in your, in your MAC groups. Uh, ask yourself, like, so what does it look like to adhere and to be a... a an advocate of, of our government, of our governance. Um, parse out what does it look like for us to continue to move forward and be a clearer picture, okay? Now, next week, um, uh, we're going to talk about church membership, all right? We're going to talk about your role. So I want to really ask um, for you to fight hard to be here to understand what your role is as a, as a body member, okay, guys? I'm going to ask you to really... And anyone you don't see right now who's in MAG group, who's part of this local body, you call them and you make sure you tell them in your MAG group, hey, make sure you're here Sunday so we can understand what our part is as we engage the gospel. All right?